welcome to the point tonight. And uh, and uh, if you um, if you are here uh, for the first time, we want to welcome you here. And uh, I'm gonna pull this thing out. And tonight we are beginning our just dating series. Yes. And tonight, the title of the night is, Tonight, Am I Mature Enough to Date? Now, before we get into all this dating talk and all this kind of stuff, first of all, I think we need to lay down some groundwork here and talk a little bit about, a little bit about um, some of the terms that we use when we talk about dating, right? So let's do that for a minute. I mean, I hear people talking all the time about, you know, yeah, man, you know, uh, yeah, yeah, we're just talking. And I'm like, okay, well, what, what does that mean? Talking means like... You know, you just, uh, you know, like you, you see each other at school, you both kind of like each other a little bit, and you're just kind of getting to know each other a little bit, we're just kind of talking. Dating is like when you actually go and you pick her up and you take her out on a date, that is called a date, right? That's right? So, so when the guy comes to your house and he picks you up and y'all go somewhere and spend some time together, and then he drops you back off of your house, that is a date. If that hasn't happened, you've never been on a date before, that's fine, no, no big deal, but that's a date, all right? And so, uh, and so that's a date, and so when you say, man, I'm dating someone, dating means that you've been on more than one date, all right? Like some guys like, yeah, 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 man, me and that girl are dating. Bro, y'all ain't dating. Y'all hung out one time. She said she never wants to talk to you again. Like, y'all ain't dating, right? Like, if there was never a second date, dating never began in your life, all right? And then, then, there's, then there's the boyfriend and girlfriend, right? You have, you have the DTR talk, the define the, the relationship. And everybody has this moment in your relationship when it comes down to the DTR. We got to, hey, 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 baby, so, uh, I mean, like, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I like, I mean, you like, I mean, what, you know? And she's like, she, and, and, and you know, guys, girls, they, and usually girls bring this up, but usually when this happens, you know, some, you know, you know, they, they, they're like, nah, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Why, why don't you go on? You know, and you're like stumbling over your word up, you know, and you're trying to get it out there. And, and then finally it's like, you, you want to be my girlfriend? And she's like, yes, I'd love to. You know what I mean? And, and so at that point, you guys have the little DTR, boyfriend, girlfriend thing. Y'all are together. Y'all are like, you know what I'm saying? Now listen, and sometimes it's like, you know, when, when you're in the dating deal, right? You're in the dating, guys are like, well, you know what? We haven't had that DTR talk, you know what I mean? So like, I went out on a date with her tonight, and I went out on a date with her tomorrow night, and I got a date with her this, you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm just kind of dating around, and I'm, I'm, I'm checking out, you know, all this kind of, I mean, well, I'm, not, I'm not committed Right? And so, so that's what kind of happens there. We're going to talk about you losers later. But uh, anyways, huh? Oh, yeah. Uh, we're going to talk about y'all next week. And uh, so moving on from that, um, so when we talk about dating, I, I want to talk to you guys a little bit about what the Bible says. Now, before we do that, let me say this. On what we call dating today, the Bible is virtually silent. And let me explain what I mean by that. During biblical times, during the first century, during the time when Jesus would have grown up, during that time period, parents had a major role in the person that you were going to marry and spend the rest of your life with. Who in here would like your parent to be in that role? Negative, right? Oh, you got good parents. 
Oh, man. No. My, mom, my mom, she'd be like, my mom all the time, she'd say, oh, man, I got this girl you need to meet, and I'll and I meet this girl, and she'd be like, Ugh. you know what I mean? What the heck? Is, mom, what, why do you think I was like, what is going on? Not that appearance is everything. All right, so anyways, and so, <laughs> having too much fun. Anyways, so, um, and so, so during this time, parents played a major role in, the, in this dating deal, all right? Now, and then interestingly enough, many marriages were arranged, but even when they were not arranged, the parents were a major part of it. In fact, this is how most of the marriages would have taken place. Uh, a young Jewish boy during this day, he would, he would go and, and he would maybe see um, a girl like out working out in the field and he would be like, hmm, I want to marry that girl. Mind you, during biblical times, during the first century, they would marry between the ages of 12 and 15 years old. You could be engaged as early as 12. Most girls did not make it past 15 years old before they were married. So most of you in this room would, would be married uh, at this point and stage in your life, some of you for several years. And, uh, and so what would happen is, is that, they would, uh, that, that the, the guy would go to your dad and he would say, Hey, hey uh, you know, Papa... Papa Megan, because that's my wife. Hey, Megan, she's so pretty. And, um, and I would go to Megan's dad, Rick, and I would say, Hey, Rick, uh, Rick, uh, I, I want to marry your daughter. And Rick would say, Well, son, what are you going to give me for my daughter? And they'd work out a dowry, and I'd be like, Well, Rick, I'll give you three goats, two chickens, and a donkey. And Rick would say, Oh, my daughter's worth way more than that. She's worth at least five chickens. And I would say, all right, cool. And so I would give like some chickens and donkeys and stuff for Megan. And then, and then at that point, literally, Megan and I would be considered betrothed or engaged. And how this would work is then they would seal it with a covenant. And the father would take a cup and he would take a sip. He'd pass it across the table. The son would take a sip. And at that point, her and I are considered joined, bound together for the rest of our lives. Now the ceremony hasn't happened yet. And we are not to partake in the things that married people partake in physically until the marriage ceremony happens. But as far as that connection, it was a serious covenant at that point. In fact, when Mary and Joseph, and you see the story of Mary and Joseph, we know that they're not married yet. The Bible tells us clearly they're not married. But the Bible also tells us in Matthew chapter 1 that when Joseph found out that Mary was to be with child, the Bible says because he was a man that did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Why would he divorce her if they were not married? Because this contract was so binding that you would have to get a divorce in order to break it. And so this was a binding thing, and so they would take this, and if he was a good Joyce boy, I'd go over to Megan, I'd hand her the cup and say, hey, baby, you're, you and I are going to be married. You want to take a sip of this? Well, she said yes or no, it didn't really matter, but she take and say, yeah, whatever. And then next thing you know, a year from now, we would, uh, I would go back to my father's house, and my father's house would, would be a building, you know, something like this, and I would go to my dad's house, and, and, uh, and they had a courtyard in the middle here, a little court, courtyard, and, uh, and, and what would happen is, is that my entire family would live at this house. Everybody would live there. I mean, I mean, my, my grandma would live over here, and, and my uncle would live over here, and my cousins would live here and here, and my brother would live here with his wife, and my parents here. And what we do is we go to my father's house, and we say, hey, Dad, we're, we want to we wanna build onto your house, and, and we want to have this relationship. You know, I'm, I'm getting married. And, and so for the next year, I would begin building onto my dad's house, and we, I would build a room for my wife and I to live in. 
And then about a year later, she's being prepared for the marriage. And uh, I would go, and I'd get all my buddies. We'd grab our tiki, tiki torches, and we'd start watching. And we, uh, we'd start marching towards her city or where, her area where she was at. And, and they would see us coming off in the distance, and they would begin yelling, Get her ready! Get her ready! <laughs> She'd put her wedding whatever on, and she would come out, and, and they would have the ceremony. And, then, and that would be it. And then I would take her back to be with be with my father, which is interesting. This is the same language that Jesus gives in, in John chapter 14 when he says, And in my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would not have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and so I'll come back and get you so that where I am, you may be also. And the picture of, of Jesus' is giving there is a picture of a wedding. And the picture the Bible tells us between us and God is this picture between a groom and his bride. And that's the reason that the Bible calls the church the bride of Christ. We are literally the bride of Christ. And the Bible tells us that when Jesus comes back to take us with him, there's going to be this massive marriage supper, this massive celebration, this, this awesome thing where the church, the bride, goes to meet Jesus, the groom. It's a beautiful picture. And all throughout Scripture, marriage is shown in this way. You say, Derek, why are you talking to us about marriage? Because I believe this. If you have a proper view on marriage, you will have a proper view on purity, you will have a proper view on dating, you will have a proper view on everything else in your life period so that was how thing, they did things back in the day so if you got your Bibles you can open up the Song of Solomon chapter 8 you say Derek why aren't we talking about this subject why do we need to talk I mean yeah I know okay you're, you're a youth pastor and yeah we're teenagers and yeah we deal with this kind of stuff and tonight we're talking about am I the right date next week we're going to talk about who is the right date who do I need to be looking for and then the week after that which next week is going to be I think the best week of all the weeks it's going to be awesome and then the week after that we're going to be talking about sex God's plan what, what is that what is God's plan for that and then the, the next week we're going to have a breakout with the girls and guys and we come here and uh, and, and, uh, and, and you say man why do we talk about this well do you guys remember the survey I passed out a few weeks ago all right, all you guys, we had like uh, 100, about 150 surveys turned in that our students and our student ministry filled out with all kinds of questions. We're going we're gonna to be going through those, those surveys in three weeks. But just so you know, one of the questions on that survey was, true or false, do you have a crush on someone right now? And 74% of the students in our student ministry said right now they have a crush on someone. So dating is something that's on your mind. It's something you think about. You've got friends that are dating, and it's, it's a big deal, and a lot of people are talking about it. Now, we get to Song of Solomon chapter 8. Now, before I read this, I'm just going to prepare you. In this passage, in these short three verses, breasts are mentioned twice. Now, get your laughs out now. I know that we are not mature enough to handle that. And you say, why are you reading a passage that has breasts mentioned twice in it? Because I'm immature. No, because it really, it, this, this passage matters. And you'll see what I'm talking about. I'll explain it to you so that, so that you don't get. Anyways, here we go. And uh, Song of Solomon chapter 8. We're going to start Song of Songs. And we're going to start in verse 8. <clears throat> this is her brother's talking. Let me set this up a little bit. 
This is, this is the story of Solomon, the wisest man that ever lead, lived, the third king in, in Israel, in Israel's history. He was David's son. And, and he writes this, this story of this love that he has with this woman. And the cool thing is, is that it takes through their entire dating and courting relationship. And then it goes into their, they get, you know, their marriage. And you see their honeymoon. And you see all this stuff play out in their entire relationship. And this is, this is the end of the book. They're already married. They've already went through that kind of stuff and we're here at the end and her brothers are talking and this is what they said about their sister they start out and they said we had a young sister and her breasts are not yet grown what shall we do for our sister for the day she for the day she shall be spoken for or the day that she should be married if she is a wall we will build towers of silver on her and if she is a door we will enclose her with panels of cedar Listen to what they said here. They said, listen, when she was young, when she was young, that's what she means when her breasts are small. When she was young, when she was a young girl, we as her brothers, we decided this, that if our sister was going to be a wall, then we were going to adorn her with silver. We were going to celebrate. We were going we to have a party on the day that she's to be married. We're going we're to send her out. I mean, we're going to celebrate. It's going to be awesome. But if she's a door... If she's a door, they said, then what we're going to do is we're going to take panels of cedar or like literally two-by-fours. We're going to lock her in a room and we're going to nail the two-by-fours on the door so that she can't get out. We're going to protect her. We're going to hold her in. And then look what it says. Look what she says. She says, I am a wall. My breasts are like towers. She's basically saying, I'm older now. And I was a wall. I wasn't a door. I was a wall. Thus I have become an in. Listen. Thus I have become in his eyes like one bringing contentment. I become in his eyes as one bringing contentment. Number one, if you're taking notes tonight, you say, Derek, what does it mean to be a wall? What does it mean to be a wall? Well, here's the difference. The difference between a wall and a door is this. A wall is strong and a door is weak. See, when police officers go to a house and they're like trying to get into a house, they don't go to the wall and start like, all right, guys, you ready to break in? Here we go. You ready? You ready? They don't do that with the wall, right? Where do they go? They go to the door because the door is easily broken into. It's easy to get in, easier to get into a door than it is to, in a, in, in, than it is to a wall, right? And that's what they're saying here. They're like, listen, she was a strong woman. She was a wall. She was strong in her faith. When you read through the Song of Solomon, you see this woman talking about her faith and you see her relationship with God. And the first thing you notice about her is that she is content in her relationship with God. And I'm here to tell you that the first thing that you need to be in your, in, in, in your relationship is that you have to be content first in your relationship with God. A person who is a wall is content in their relationship with God. And what happens is this, is that we get into relationships and, and we start trying to date people for the wrong reasons because we're not content in our relationship with God. So we feel like, man, I got to feel, I, I, you know, I got this insecurity in my life or, you know, I, I feel lonely or, man, she's really hot. And, you know, and you, you start bringing in all these things. You're like, man, I just have to be in a relationship. I just have to be in a relationship. Y'all know people like that? Y'all know girls that just, they just have to be in a relationship, Right? 
Y'all know guys that just have to be in a relationship? I mean, like every night, yeah, yeah, I was dating her, and then we broke up like a week later. Yeah, I was dating this other girl. We've been dating for like six months. You know what I'm saying? They always have to be in a relationship. You say, why do they have to be in a relationship? It's because they're trying to find something. They're trying to find themselves in something. They're trying to find their identity in the person that they're with. And so they're like, they're like man, I, I got to be in a relationship with a guy so that he can make me feel happy. I just feel happy when I'm in a relationship. I just feel fulfilled when I'm in a relationship. I just feel loved when I'm in a relationship. Listen, you got to be content in your relationship with God first. I wrote this down. If you need more love than the love of Jesus, then you've got a lot of growing to do spiritually. If you need more love, if you need love from a guy or love from a girl, because you haven't accepted the fact that Jesus loves you unconditionally, then you're not mature enough to be in a relationship. If you're not content with it being you and God, let me tell you something. When I, I got married when I was 28 years old. You say, man, that's, that's, that's kind of old. Man, it wasn't like I didn't want to get, I wanted to get married earlier, and, and I was, you know, and I was in all this kind of stuff, and I, and I was praying, and man, it, it really bothered me for a while. I was like, man, God, I just want to be married. God, I've been praying for my life. I'll just be honest with you guys. I gave my life to Jesus when I was 17 years old. At 18 years old, I began praying for my wife almost every single day from the time that I was 18 years old till I was 28 years old. I took an entire year where I fasted a 24-hour period once a week just for my wife that he would protect protect her and keep her pure and guard her and watch over her. For, for an entire year, I did that. I, I had guys, some of my closest friends, praying for me and praying for my wife. And, and I was doing this because I wanted God's woman for me, man. And, and I was praying for that and I was seeking after God. And it, man, I was like probably like 26 years old and it was like God spoke to me and he said, Derek, stop trying to seek your wife and seek me. See, Jesus says, seek ye first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. And what happened was, is that I was so focused on trying to find a wife that I was not seeking fully after God. And no lie, I can t tell you this from the bottom of my heart. I got to this place in my relationship with God where I was like, I'm completely content, God, with it being you and me for the rest of my life. I'm completely content being single for the rest of my life if it's just me and you. I'm willing to do that, God. You're all that I need. And it was when I got to that point in my life that God brought me my wife. And man, I want to challenge you, man. Be content in your relationship with God first. That is, that is primary. You want to say, am I ready to date? If you're not content with your relationship with God alone, no, you're not ready to date. And what happens is, is that we look for someone else to complete us. And listen, I want you to hear me right now. Megan, as much as I love her and as big as a part of my life as she is, Megan will tell you the same thing. My wife, Megan, who's sitting right here. Hey, honey. She's embarrassed. She's so pretty. And uh, my wife, Megan, who's sitting back here, she does not complete me. She doesn't complete me. And if you ask Megan outside of here, does Derek complete you? She will say, no, Derek does not complete me. We've had this conversation before. I am not my wife's first love, and she is not my first love. Jesus is my first love, and Jesus is her first love. I don't look for Megan to complete me. I look for Jesus to complete me, because there's only completion in Jesus Christ. 
And what happens is, is that we're like, man, i got to find my soulmate. i got to find this, my better half. I need to find this other person that's going to complete me. No, you don't. You need to find Jesus, press into him, seek after God, because this is what I know. Megan is a flawed person. Derek is a flawed person. And you are a flawed person. And when you take two flawed people and you put them together to try to complete each other, you will never complete each other because you are not meant to complete each other. It's like the old analogy of the pyramid and the pyramid that, that I'm on this side and Megan's on this side and God's here and the closer we get to God, the closer we get to each other. And that's so true. As we're content in our relationship with God and what happens is, is that when we're not content in our relationship with God, we go out of that, we become a door. We become a door. We become weak. And we start searching for other things to try to fulfill ourselves and fulfill the things in our lives. Let me give you an analogy of a door. You want to know if you're a door or not, ladies? A wall is strong. I wrote this down. I just, I just, I just got to read it because I can probably read it better than I can say it. A wall is strong. A guy texts you, guys are calling you, uh, they're emailing you, they, they want to make out with you, but you know that it's not time for you, and you know that he is, is, a, is not a, a worthy dude. Actually, in my notes I put, because he's a douchebag, <laughs> which is true. Here's the point. A guy who, a girl who is a wall, she says, hey guy, you, you need to stop texting me. You need to stop calling me. You need to stop emailing me because I know who you are. I know your character. I know you're not a man of God. And I, look, I don't have nothing for you. Or hey, look, you need to respect the fact that I'm not ready to be in a relationship right now because I got some things going on that I need to get right in my life with God. And so I'm taking care of that right now. So you need to back off, buddy. That's a wall. You know what a door is? Every guy who texts you, hey, hey, how you doing? Hey. Every guy who calls, yeah, 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 oh, yeah, yeah, let's talk. Yeah, oh, yeah, okay. Every guy who IMs, every guy, and every guy who comes in, you know what I'm saying? You know the girl, right? The girl that just has to, like, have all the guys around her all the time, right? You see them everywhere. Girls, let me just tell you, guys don't think that's attractive. Hello? No guy thinks it's attractive that you're just hanging all over all these different guys all the time. Right? I mean, you're hanging all over these different guys because you like want that attention or whatever. And then you use this excuse, which we'll address next week. And you're like, well, I just, I just don't get along with girls. I don't have many girlfriends. I just don't have many girlfriends because I just don't get along. I just don't get along with girls. I, I'm, I have more guy friends than I do girlfriends. Am I stepping on anybody's toes yet? Maybe the reason that you don't have any girlfriends is because you are mean. <laughs> and all you care about doing is getting with guys. And no girl wants to be your friend. Come on. God, getting off my note. Getting into next week. Sorry about that. Woo. So a door is weak. A door is weak, man. Every guy that knocks, you answer. Every guy that calls, you answer. Every guy that comes around, you're like right there. Oh, yeah, like a little puppy dog, like needing help. You know, come and save me and rescue me because I'm lonely. You're not ready to date if you're a door. You say, how do you know if you're a door or not? 
I think there's, there are several things. I want to touch on a few of them before we're done tonight. I think the first one is to feel insecurities. To feel insecurities in your life. See, if finding, you either find your value in your relationship with Jesus or you find your value in the relationship with someone else. And so what happens is, is that you think that you're fat, you think that you're not good enough, you think that you're not smart enough, you think that you're not pretty enough, you, you think that, that there is, there's all these things going on in your life and you would just feel loved if a guy would give you attention. And you forget that, listen, you are an image bearer of God. God loves you so much just the way you are, and he created you. And when you say, man, I'm just, I just, I'm just too fat, I'm not pretty, I'm, I'm this, I'm that, I'm whatever, and, and I need some guy to validate me by telling me that he likes me or thinks that I'm pretty. No, you don't. Jesus has already validated you by telling you how much he loves you in his word. And see, when you're content in your relationship with God and you are a wall, you don't ever have to walk that road because that insecurity is not an issue because you know I don't care what anybody else thinks about me because I know what Jesus thinks about me. See the difference? And so we do that to fill insecurities in our life. Another thing, a door is weak, man. Jealousy. If you're a jealous person, and you're not mature enough to date. You're not mature enough to date. How important is trust to you? Man, in, 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 uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it says, love is not jealous. It's not jealous. If you say you love someone, but you're jealous, and you, you know, you're jealous about everything, and every time your guy goes somewhere, you're like, you know, like, oh, I wonder what girls are there. I wonder who he's talking to. I wonder who he's thinking about. You know, I was kind of like, man, that is crazy. Who wants to live a life like that, right? You know, if every time I got back from the gym, my wife was like, so Derek, what girls were at the gym today? Who were you talking to? Did you look at any girls? Uh-huh, uh-huh, <laughs> Woman, what are you talking about? You're the most beautiful woman in the world. I don't need to look at anybody else. <laughs> By the way, it's her birthday tomorrow. And uh, she's awesome. Let me tell you what else the Bible says about jealousy. The Bible says in Proverbs 27 verse 4, Anger is cruel and fury is overwhelming. But listen, but who can stand before jealousy? He says fury and anger are overwhelming. But they don't, they don't even hold a candle to jealousy. You keep going and you read the things that are the root of the sin nature. I read them last week when I was talking, or two weeks ago when I was talking about the line. And I was in Galatians 5. And jealousy is one of the fruits of the sin nature. If you, man, if you're a jealous person, you're not ready. You're not ready to be in a relationship. You need, see, this is what happens. When you're a wall and you're content in your relationship with God and you're secure in that relationship, then it doesn't matter. Jealousy doesn't matter. I'm not worried about, is my wife going to cheat on me? Is my wife going to look at this guy? Is my wife going to do this? Is my wife going to do that? Is my wife going to da-da-da-da-da-da? I'm not worried about that because, listen, if I lose Megan, I have Jesus. Say, man, that's, ins that's, 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 I can't believe you'd say that about your wife. That's the best thing I could say to my wife. To let her know that I'm the spirit, I mean, I'm, I'm a, I want to be a spiritual leader. I want you to know that Jesus is going to be number one in my life. We'll press into that some next week. A door is controlling. A door is controlling. 
Some of you guys in here, man, I mean, I got guy friends that are so controlling over the girls that they're with. It's crazy. Like, like, what are you doing? Where are you going? I literally had a guy in college who would give his girlfriend hickeys all over her neck and right here on the top part of her chest so that she would wear shirts that would come up on her neck because he didn't want other guys looking at her. It's controlling. You know what controlling guys do? Controlling guys isolate. Controlling guys isolate. They want to be the only voice in your life. So controlling guys are like, well, you can't do this and you can't do that. You want to know how you know if you're dating a controlling guy? This is how you know. Is your guy driving you away from your family, driving you away from your friends, and driving you away from your church? See, controlling guys isolate. They don't want you to hear the voice of your parents who've walked the road that you've walked before. And I know you think that your parents are clueless, but they're not. Number two, they're driving you away from your friends. You know what I'm talking about? All your girlfriends are like, man, he's a jerk. He's an idiot. What are you doing? And you're like, don't you talk about him that way? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? And you know, and there's like, sometimes your girlfriend is dating some guy and you all are like, what is she doing? You know, and they're like, what can we say to her? And it doesn't matter what you say to her. She's not going to change her mind, right? Controlling. Good guys, God, godly guys don't they don't isolate, they compliment. They don't isolate, they compliment. They don't try to control you. They don't try to tell you what to do and what you can wear and how you can, all that kind of stuff. Man, good guys love you for who you are and godly guys love you. And if you're not looking for that kind of guy, then you're not ready to date. Number four, are there sin issues in your life? I'm not talking about do you have struggles. We all have struggles. None of us are ever going to get to a place in our life where we're like perfect until we're in heaven with Jesus and, and all that kind of stuff. But I'm talking about do you have sin issues in your life? Listen, this is what I know. You cannot bear the burden of another person if you are broken yourself. You cannot bear the burden in a relationship of another person if you cannot handle your issues yourself. And if there's sin issues in your life, I mean, listen, if you're addicted to porn, listen, you're not ready to be in a relationship. If you have an eating disorder, you're not ready to be in a relationship. If you have major anger issues, you are not ready to be in a relationship. And it's because you need to get yourself healthy first. You need, you need to become a wall first. You know, you know what a wall does? Man, it's like what a door does is when, when they're tempted to look at something they shouldn't look at on the internet, they go in the door and they turn the computer on. What a wall does is they say, I'm not going in there because the wall is there and I can't get through the wall. Man, I, I'm staying over here. I'm staying away from that. I mean, you've got to be a wall. You've got to be a wall. Undisciplined. Undisciplined. You're undisciplined in your relationships. You can't keep it pure. You can't keep your relationship pure. You're undisciplined. Right? And, and man, if you have sin issues and you're like, man, I'm undisciplined in the sin issues in my life. If I, can, if I, can't, if I can't be disciplined in, the, in my internet and the things I'm looking at on the internet, how can my girlfriend trust that I'm going to be able to keep our relationship pure in the relationship? 
And so you got to be disciplined, man. If you're in a relationship and you can't keep it pure, listen, you're not ready to be in a relationship. I'm here to tell you, my wife and I, you know, I told you that I prayed for her for like forever. And, uh, and I prayed that God would keep her pure and protect her and all this kind of stuff. Man, my, my beautiful wife and I, we got married and I was 28 years old and, and she was, uh, I don't remember. And, uh, and uh, not important. And... Uh, and uh, she was 26 or 27. How old are you? 20 what? She was 26 when we got married. I was 28 years old. And man, I'm here to tell you, God honored that. God honored those prayers. God protected my wife. Man, when my wife went to college, she was a door. When my wife went to high school, or not a door, she was a wall. When my <laughs> wife was in high she was a hoochie. You should have seen her. And, uh, and uh, my, wife, my wife was a wall when she was in high school. And she was a wall when she was in college. I mean, she was like, she, dude, she didn't. She said, listen, I'm going to focus on my relationship with the Lord. And I want to focus on my studies. And that's what I want to focus on. And that's what she did. And my wife didn't date anyone in high school and anyone in college. Because she said, you know what, man? I want to save myself from my husband. Because she had a high view of marriage. And she did save herself for her husband. And you say, hold on one second. You mean to tell me, Derek, that you're 28 years old when you got married and she was 26. And she kept herself pure and y'all kept yourself pure in that relationship until you got married? That's exactly what I'm telling you. That's exactly what I'm telling you. No, we didn't have sex. No, we didn't do anything else. We didn't have to, man. We were content in our relationship with God. You say, yeah, but she's never been in relationships before. I mean, isn't she bad at relationships? I haven't seen it if she is. She's the most loving, amazing, godly, incredible woman I've ever met in my entire life. And she treats me with respect, and she treats me with love, and she cares for me. And I have never dated a girl in my entire life that gets relationships like she does. And she didn't have to practice on 40 other dudes before she got with me in order to get that right. It's true. Are you undisciplined? Man, maybe some of you guys are in here. You're undisciplined in your life in so many areas. You're lazy. Listen, guys, let me just tell you. Let me tell you. You're not ready to date if this is true about you. You play video games all day. You're dirty. And your mom and dad have to pick up after you everywhere you go. You know why? Because you're a boy and no girl wants to be with a boy. Girls want to be with men, right? I mean, how many of you girls in here one day want to marry a boy? Raise your hand. <laughs> None of them. And even the ones that are, I don't know. How many of you girls in here one day want to marry a man? Right? Okay, okay, let's just test this for a minute. Let's test this. How many girls in here, how many girls in here want to marry a guy who's going to play video games for three hours a day? Liar. And uh, <laughs> how many of you girls in here want to marry a guy that you're going to have to clean up after and babysit every time, every time he's around? Who wants to do that? Who wants to clean, just clean house off, cook clean, be in the kitchen, make sure that he's taken care of so he can play video games all day and be nasty and leave his underwear on the floor everywhere? Who wants to do that? Nobody wants to do that. Now, I'm being a hypocrite a little bit because my, my wife, she takes care of me sometimes. I'm not going to lie. But anyways, and uh, <laughs> God, I know, I know, I'm being honest. Conclusion. Let me just conclude this thing and wrap it up because we're getting, getting a little long here. 
Am I mature enough to date? Listen, if you're content in your relationship with God and these aren't issues in your life, then maybe you are. See, I don't think, there's people that write books, and there's books, I Kiss Dating Goodbye. There's another book called I Kiss Dating, and there's all these different opinions on whether you should or shouldn't date and all this kind of stuff. You know what, like, I I don't really care about that. I care about where you stand with God, and I care about these things in your life. And if you got those things right in your life, and Jesus is your number one priority in your life, then maybe you are mature enough to date. But I know this, that if that's true about your life, then when you are dating, you're going to honor God with your dating relationship. And if you're honoring God with your dating relationship, then I don't care if you date. It's not my place as far as that goes. But I will tell you this, and my wife tells me this verse all the time. This is a verse that got her through all the time. And it's Proverbs 4.23. It says, above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Guard your heart. Your heart is so precious. It is so important. And when you allow your heart to be open to so many different people, little pieces of your heart get taken away. Little pieces of your heart get damaged. And they affect your marriage relationship in the future because we have a high value on marriage. I want to read this to you, and and I'm going to close with this. This guy, uh, he said this. this One author said this. He says, when you date, you get emotionally and physically and mentally and socially and spiritually attached to a person. And if it doesn't work out, then it's painful. He says the years before marriage are a time of preparation. They, the dichotomy in, is this. In dating, we presume to take of many of the privileges of marriage. But we would be shocked if a married man had an emotional attachment to another woman And yet, it is quite acceptable for singles to have different emotional attachments every week. On one hand, we save sex for our partners, and even some do that sparingly. But on the other, we engage in rampant emotional promiscuity, giving pieces of our heart away until one wonders will there be anything left for our lifelong partner and our wife or husband. Here's the challenge for you guys tonight. Guard your heart. Guard your heart and be content in your relationship with God alone. Be content in your relationship with God alone and guard your heart. Now listen, you don't want to miss next week. It's going to be amazing. We've got an awesome, awesome service plan next week. And I'm going to pray right now. And as I pray, that we're going to have the band come up. And they're just going to lead us in a time of worship. And we're, we're probably not going to have, you know, but a few minutes in our small groups tonight. And that's fine. But I wanted us to, you know, I really want to drive this home. We want to do the dating game thing tonight because we thought it would be fun. But I want us just to pray right now. We're going to have the band come forward. And I just want you guys, in this time, I want you to pray and ask God to deal with you in your life about maybe some of those issues that I brought up. Maybe, maybe for some of you, you got some deep insecurities about some stuff in your life you need to get right with God. Maybe you got some sin issues. Maybe, maybe you got some, maybe you got some, you know, just, just, just heavy, heavy, heavy discipline issues in your life. You can't seem to get anything right. You're, you're screwing up in school and you're screwing up at home and you're screwing up in, in all different areas of your life. And you just need just like, man, God, I just need to, I just need to get my life right. I need to get this stuff straight. I need to figure this stuff out. I just want us to spend the next couple of songs just, just praising the Lord, seeking His face, and asking God to do something in you. Because worship is a very personal thing. It's a corporate thing that we do together, but it's very personal as well for us, as we do it for ourselves. So I want you to pray and ask God to show you that. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for tonight. I thank you, Lord, for just who you are. You're so amazing. God, we just love you. I thank you, Lord, for um, 
for just your word. God, I just pray that every student in this room will decide to be a wall. That they would decide to be strong, strong in their faith, strong in you, strong in their relationships, that they would set the right boundaries that need to be set up. God, I pray that if there's anybody in here that's a door and they're just really struggling right now and they need to break the cycle and they need to, they need to get out of that door mentality, Lord, and, and, and they want to become a wall, Lord, I pray that they would. And God, I pray, Lord, as, as, the, brothers, as the brothers said in Song of Solomon, that they would, just, they would just build a fortress around that girl, build a fortress around that guy. They would build a fortress around their loved one. Um, until they got it right, until they became a wall. And I pray that this place will be a place where we can build a fortress of love and a, a fortress of comfort and a fortress of, of just uh, your presence and your spirit and your word so that they can have the strength to overcome and to become a wall. God, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.